So what he's doing here is he's basically pointing out just a couple of things to this church that can apply, I think, to all churches. Obviously, it does because it's in God's word. And he's saying, okay, there's some false teachers that have come in. We'll read about it today. And there's also a little bit of uh, departing away from Jesus, which, as I mentioned two weeks ago in chapter one, that's what the church should be about. He is the head of the church and he is the priority in all things that we do. So that's what they kind of started to do, and, and one of the reasons was because of these false teachers. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read verse 1 to verse 10. That's the verses we're going to do uh, tonight, and we'll, we'll be a little bit quick, and I think we'll have another song or a couple songs. Couple, dang, a couple songs even. He says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I had for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So basically, I could just stop right there and talk for a long time. Because it's funny, because he's kind of telling his heart for the church, and he's like, you know, I really, I've never seen you guys. This is, a, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I never, I've never seen you, never seen me. I've never seen you physically in the flesh. But I really love you, and I'm really happy to see that you're, you're getting along. And there's another church called Laodicea. Does that name sound familiar to anybody? The church of Laodicea? It's mentioned again in the Bible in the book of Revelation. And there really wasn't a lot of nice things that were said about it. <laughs> in fact, they were the worst. It's like of all the churches, that's the name you don't want. It's like when you're naming your kid, you don't name him Judas. <laughs> Judah is okay. Oh. Our son's name is Judah. Judas, not so much. If you're going to have a church name, okay, West Church, kind of, you know, whatever. <laughs> Laodicea, not so much. But that was in, uh, so John wrote the Revelation in like 90 AD. And this was um, more like... 60 maybe around there so the church had gone and what i'm trying to say is this church of laodicea that he's saying you guys are doing great you guys have never seen me you know the laodiceans too that church went off the rails because they didn't listen to the things that were written that's what happened and then they were called the lukewarm church in revelation and he says i wish you were cold or hot like you're just nothing i'm just going to spew you out of my mouth that's what jesus says to him kind of sad so we Okay, we're starting a church. We never want the Lord to say that about us, all right? I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. <laughs> I always think of that whenever I hear that, because the word spew, I think it's, this is new King James, not old King James, but, what? Yeah, you're going to spew, spew into this. <laughs> anyway, okay, speaking of going off track. <laughs> So he's, he's kind of saying that, but then he takes a deep dive. It's like a summary, starting, uh, you know, I'm glad to see you guys are getting along. You guys are doing great. You've never seen me. And then he's like, he goes into the mystery of God, the, the deepness of who God is. So it's like, a, it's almost like someone, you know, deep diving and saying, we're going to talk now about the understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Oh, is that all? We're just going to talk about the nature of God and who he is. And so he's really like kind of going deeper, but it's for a purpose. What's the purpose? The church would focus not on the superficial, but on the real core of who they are. And that is, who is Jesus? 
Who is Jesus to you? Who is he, first of all, in truth? But who is he to you as a church? And the relationship between Christ and the Father. And, and more than all that, he says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom in, and knowledge. Okay. I'm going to keep it organized tonight and brief. Because there's a lot here. We could just talk about this for a long time. But we're going to keep it brief. Three things. Number one. Because we're talking about Jesus tonight. He's bringing, he's bringing them into Christ, like who he is. Number one, the value of Christ. That's what he's pointing out. Guys, it's great to see you. I've never, uh, great to talk to you and hear from you. I've never seen you in, the, in person, but the value of Christ, number one. Number two, walking in Christ. He says it's not just good enough to know about him and the value of Christ. How does that really make a difference in your life? Does that change anything? Um, and so he's going to talk about walking in Christ, kind of the practical of it. And then number three, just tonight, the enemies of Christ. Who are those who are coming in and diverting them? And what, what, were, what were they being led astray by? What was it that they were actually... Because I'm going to give you a, like a spoiler about it. It wasn't like the Satan worshipers were coming in and saying, Hail Satan, come worship Satan with us. And they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. It was something... It, even more subtle, it was a, I'm getting ahead of myself, but who cares? It was a good thing that took their attention away from the greatest thing, Jesus Christ. It was a good thing that took their attention away from the greatest thing, Jesus Christ. Okay, so he introduces about this, number one, the value of Christ. And the value of Christ is seen in fellowship. This is why it's important to meet together. He literally says, that you guys are knit together, verse 2. He's talking about their love for one another. So this doesn't, the value of Christ is experienced in a fellowship community together. It doesn't have to be in a church building with steeples and everything. It could be at the beach. If it's raining at the beach, it could be in a home. You know, it could be wherever. In quarantine, it was on Zoom. It sucked though, but anyway. No, actually, you need to be together, I think. But anyway. That's another subject. <laughs> so in fellowship, but there's value in knowing God. Jeremiah chapter 9, um, 23 and 24. He's, you've got my cheat sheet right here. It's written at the bottom. I didn't have it memorized. But Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24, it basically says, I'm not going to turn there because we'll move on here. But it says, um, do not let the, the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches, but he who glories, or he who is proud of something, or boasts about something, let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and mercy. So it's, it's a, the, the thing that we're proud of is not how much money we have, it's not how strong or powerful we are, it's not how much intellect we have or education. The thing that we're most proud of is we know personally Jesus Christ. That's it. So you can look at, I mean, talking from a church perspective, you can look at great churches, big buildings, and fancy things. And, but if they don't know Christ, what is it? And, you know, you could look at a church as just a Bible study like this. If they don't know Christ, same thing. It's, it's meaningless. This is, what, this is where the value is in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ personally. That's it. Um, and the val- so the value is in fellowship, the value is in knowing God, and the value is in discovering God. 
What does it say on uh, um, verse 3? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Guys, if you have a treasure, like a treasure chest, that's, <laughs> yeah, but if you have a treasure chest, you don't just leave it out like in the street. You hide it away. You, you tuck it away. You put it away. There's value in Christ, but the value is in discovering him, knowing him and discovering him. All that's to say this. If you want to really experience the greatness of Christ, you have to take the effort and the time to get to know him. You've got to dig. You've got to search. You've got to look. And the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's those who hunger. Like, I want this. Life is... I need something more in life. I need the the ultimate fulfillment. I need to know the truth. And that's when you start digging and searching and you dig into the scripture and you get together with other people who know Christ and you're really making an effort. Man, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh yeah, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me, so I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. It's like, how how serious... This this might sound... uh, um, It might sound inconsiderate or whatever but how serious are you about this that's the real question because if things are hidden that means we're digging for it we're searching we're we're devoting our lives to this and uh, so that's what he's saying if you want there's great value in christ but it's not going to just come to everybody it's going to come to those who are searching for him seeking for him and thankfully he's promised if you're if you have that heart you're going to find what you're looking for all right, number two, walking in Christ. So he says, uh, verse four, I say this lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Again, he's, he's saying, I'm not there, but I hear about the good things that's happening. Verse six, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is a, that's a big verse right here in verse 6. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So intellectually, in our belief, we have received the Lord. Like, I believe in Jesus. I believe what he did for me. I'm a Christian. So if that's you, he's saying, then you need to walk in him. What does that mean? It means your life matches your faith. Uh, I'm a preacher, so you can say, practice what you preach, right? So Jesus said it another way. You shall know them by their fruits. You have a good tree, it produces good fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible that say, your faith should translate into good works. Uh, And we could go into the book of James and talk all about that, but we're not going to do it. But that's what he's saying. But here's the thing. It's not a legalistic thing where it's like, oh, you're not being good enough. You're not a Christian now. That's not at all what it is. Because that gets the cart before the horse. That's like saying, do the good works, and then you can be a Christian. No, the reality is, if you really believe, your life will demonstrate that by the good works that you're doing. It'll just be a natural thing, like a fruit being produced on a tree. So what he says here, this is important. He says... Um, verse 7, rooted and built up in him. What does that word rooted 
What does it make you think of? It makes you think of something organic that you've planted and it takes root and it grows. Not manufactured, planted. I've talked about this before. So that means that the deeper the roots, the deeper the connection, the more of your life will show the fruit of good, good works, righteousness. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all those things we want. The deeper your roots are, the more connected you are in Christ, the more your life is going to show the fruits of walking in Him. There's a passage, a great one, in, uh, in John 15. In John 15, Jesus Himself says it. Abide in Me, and I in you. As the, vine, uh, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me. Abide in Me, and I in you, because then you'll bear much fruit. For without Me, He says, you can do nothing. So it's the connection. Being a Christian doesn't mean go out and follow the rules. <laughs> Being a Christian means connected to Christ. And then your life will start to look more like Christ. If we're hanging out, if me and Eric are hanging out every day, man, if only it were true. <laughs> it's like heaven on earth. If we were hanging out every day, we're gonna, our lives are going to start looking like each other. Right? It's going to be, it's a natural thing when you're connected to someone, even walking with them. But the crazy thing is, if you read it, probably nine or ten times, he doesn't say walk with Christ. He says walk in Christ. That means not only are you like buddies walking together, it means your life is identified in his life. That's why when I say I'm a Christian, that means I am in Christ. I'm, a, I'm more than a follower. I'm connected to his life. Not only to his life, but to his death. This is getting a little deep. Death, burial, and resurrection. That's why when you're baptized, that's what it means. My life died, now my life is hidden in Christ. Wow, so the more I'm connected to Him, the more my life is going to start look, to look like His life. And some of you who know me, you're like, man, you must not be super connected. <laughs> and that's true of all of us, right? You're thinking about yourselves too. Hopefully it's not just me. Like, oh man. And you're the pastor? <laughs> no, that's, but that's life is we're, we're not him. We're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Don't look, I'm not going to look just like him. I'm not going to do just what he did. But the more I walk with him, the more I'm going to, like, I think my life today is more like Christ than it was 20 years ago when I became a pastor. Because I look back at my life and I think, I thought I was, I was legalistic back then. You guys know what legalistic means, right? I was, the rules were more important than anything else, even in relationship with people and God. So I look at my life today and I think, man, I'm more merciful today. I'm, I'm actually more kind today than I used to be. Um, and there's all these fruits of the Spirit that I didn't realize back then. Because back then, I had more verses memorized, I think, than today. Because <laughs> I forgot a lot of them. I, I, I'm going to just be honest with you. I, I um, watched less TV and I read the Bible more. But I wasn't, I wasn't more like Christ back then than I am today. Okay. You get the point. The kids are done. Okay. Number three. This is the last one. We're done. Number three is the enemies of Christ. So the value of Christ, we've seen that it's hidden in Him, that we're searching for that, that connection. 
Number two, walking with Christ. How is my life changing? Or is it even? Because I'm connected to Him. Not because of the rules I follow, but because of the relationship. And then number three, what, are the, what is the enemy of that abiding relationship? And he says um, in verse 8, well, he said it in verse 4, deceive you with persuasive words. Then verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That right there is a crazy verse. Verse 9. In him, Jesus. If anyone says to you, Jesus is not God, he was just a good teacher or a prophet or an angel or whatever. Not so. In him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So, listen guys. Christians, we are complete in him. The reason why they were being led astray from Christ is because teachers, they were called, if you're into history, they were called Gnostics. That was the teaching. A Gnostic is someone who who elevated knowledge. So they came in and they said, you guys are doing good, you're great Christians, but we have this other way, this this addition to Christ that's going to really help you. And they started bringing in the philosophies and the teachings of the world that were contrary to Christ. That looks like fun. Can we play? (laughs) She rolled her eyes at me. (laughs) So what was happening? Remember what I said in the beginning that um, the the good that they were trying to bring in. So they're not coming in saying, you know, hail Satan. Let's go worship the devil. Let's go and party and throw our lives away. Not at all. They were saying, we're going to teach you how to be even better than you are right now. We're going to teach you how to really succeed in life. And they also taught some other heresies about Jesus. We already talked about that. But their message was, we're going to make you better. Your life is going to be more enriched and fulfilled if you just listen to these four, this four steps or these three things or read my book. And what was happening is they were taking something that was good, life, enablement, empowerment, whatever you want to call it, and they were doing it without Christ as the center. This is really important because this... Believe it or not, this happens today as well. (laughs) They're taking a positive message that does not have Christ as the center, and that will actually lead you to ruin. It will lead you away from the only thing that can provide you with complete fulfillment and satisfaction, because the Bible says, we just read it, in in this context, you are complete in Him. You want to know how to have the best life? There's a lot of things that can help you, but if Christ isn't at the center of those things, false. It's shallow. It's the philosophy of the world. He wasn't against thinking, the love of wisdom. The Bible says all the time, seek wisdom, seek knowledge. What he was against, what we should be against, is any teaching that comes that does not have Jesus as the center of our ultimate fulfillment. If someone says, I'll give you ten ways that you can have the greatest life in the world, and Jesus isn't a part of that, false. Shallow. Empty. Yeah, I'm passionate about it because I see it all the time. I fall victim to it sometimes. You know, it's like you see these great like speakers and people that are telling you all this and that. And they may have some helpful things to say. But ultimately, if God has said everything you need in life, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ. And there's a message that doesn't have Jesus Christ in it. It's not for me anymore. That's not for me, and that's not for this church either. 
Because I say it every week probably. This church has the center of it. We may be a bunch of failures and we're not doing that great sometimes. Most of the time we are. But one thing's for sure, that the center of this church is always going to be Jesus. He is what life is all about. And the closer you get to him, and if those three principles or five steps don't lead you to Christ, get some other steps. <laughs> get some other stuff because he's where the real fulfillment in life comes from. And everything else flows from that, that relationship. 